the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, August the 31st, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1939, the first issue of Marvel Comics. As a kid growing up, I called them funny books. Maybe no one else did, but that's what me and my friends called them. Marvel Comics featured the Human Torch. It was published by Timely Publications in New York. Today in 1939. Today in 1992, Randy Weaver, remember that name? He surrendered to authorities in Naples, Idaho, ended an 11-day siege by federal agents, claimed the lives of Weaver's wife, his son, and a deputy U.S. Marshal. Weaver had, was acquitted of murder and all the other charges in connection with this confrontation. Went on and captured the news, not only locally here in the Northwest, but nationally. He was convicted of failing to appear for trial on a firearms charges. I, I didn't check this out this morning when I saw this, but I, I think the firearms charges was that he had a shotgun and the barrel was like a half an inch too short. I think that was the issue. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure my memory serves me. I've paid a lot of attention to this. I didn't know anyone involved in it, didn't know Weaver for sure, but I paid attention to it. I think most, a lot of people in the country did. But anyway, that um, he uh, surrendered today in 1992. He was sentenced to 18 months in prison, but they gave him uh, credit for 14 months that he already served. It was a sad, sad deal. Ruby Ridge, it's a sad deal. Today, in 1994, Russia officially ended its military presence in the former East Germany after 50 years of occupation. Today, in 1997, Prince Charles brought Princess Diana home for the last time, escorting the body of his former wife to a Britain that was shocked, grief-stricken, and angered by her death in a Paris traffic accident. Today in 2010, President Barack Obama ended the U.S. combat mission in Iraq. He declared no victory after seven years. Barack Obama said, it's time to turn the page. Today in 2018, Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul, she was laid to rest after an eight-hour funeral service. As a pastor, I have been in many, many, many funeral services, and some of them were very long. I have never been involved or beneficiated at a funeral service that was eight hours long. But the reason for the length of it was probably several things, but one for sure was that Bill and Hillary Clinton were there. I can only imagine that Bill took up a good part of that eight hours talking about how he felt about whatever was on his mind. Reverend Jesse Jackson was there. He probably filled up the rest of the time. Eight-hour funeral in the Detroit church. The, the church, in fact, was a church that her father, Dr. Franklin, pastored for years. She was a preacher's kid. Five years ago today on Mexican soil, for the first time as the Republican presidential nominee, a firm but measured 
Donald Trump defended the right of the United States to build a border wall along our southern border. He didn't quite get it finished, but he made a lot of progress toward that. The Washington Post published yesterday, Surprise, Panic, and Fateful Choices, the Day America Lost Its Longest War. The final U.S. flight out of Afghanistan lifted off yesterday at 3.29 p.m. Eastern Time here in the United States, keeping President Biden's promise to the Taliban, but breaking his promise to us Americans and Afghans particularly those who worked for the United States and who were left behind. They just were left behind. The Taliban, whom we went to defeat 20 years ago, are now in control of the country. And Russia and China and the United States are treating them like they're some kind of a legitimate political organization, kind of like the Democrats or the Republicans or whatever, or the Communist Party in China. I want to talk a little bit about that today. Taliban fighters stood on Kabul International Airport's tarmac this morning, Tuesday morning, declaring victory just hours after the final U.S. troop withdrawal brought the curtain down on America's longest war. They were clad in American camouflage uniforms, the Taliban envoys grinning broadly, a big smile on their face, like they don't believe in Christmas, but like if they did believe in Christmas, they looked like it was Christmas morning and the tree was loaded with gifts. They were holding weapons, assorted sophisticated military paraphernalia, left behind by the Allies as they declared to the world, Afghanistan is now under our control. We're in charge. The Taliban, they can hardly believe it. They are surprised, as surprised as our leaders were when they took over. (laughs) I mean, it's a surprise. There's a picture of a Taliban fighter with a great big smile, ear-to-ear grin on his face, taking a selfie of himself with his iPhone, standing in front of an MD-530 helicopter, one of several, many, I think, that were left behind. We're being told by our State Department that all of those were disabled. I saw stuff on video that didn't look very disabled to me. Taliban says they will be announcing their cabinet soon, but they said, we want you to know this morning, just a couple of hours ago, they told Afghanistan and the world, everything is peaceful. Everything is safe. That's a quote. Simon Kent wrote a feature article for Breitbart this morning. It was published this morning. He titled it, Afghanistan, the Graveyard of Empires. No country has ever gone there, occupied it over a long period of time, and been able to leave. Russia, most recently, France, so on. There's a long history. We're not going to get into that today, but there's a long history of countries that went there to do something similar to what we went there to do. None have succeeded for all kinds of reasons. But I thought that was an interesting title, The Graveyard of Empires. Even NBC's Richard Engel. NBC is just best buddies with Biden, I mean, for sure. But even NBC's Richard Engel said this morning that withdrawal from Afghanistan was, I'm quoting him, the worst capitulation of Western values in our lifetime. Joe Biden has not only lost the, at least the 
temporary support of some on the left, even the media is questioning his wisdom. And they should be because he didn't exercise any wisdom. It was like like a kid lost on the playground. A U.S. Marine officer has been relieved of his command for breaking rank and calling out the brass over the chaotic and deadly evacuation of American troops from Afghanistan. Thirteen service members, as you know, were killed. Their bodies were brought home yesterday. President Biden kept looking at his watch. I mentioned on the program here yesterday that he had looked at his watch when they were moving the casket, this dignified uh, ceremony, moving the casket from the airplane that brought them home to Dover Air Air Force Base onto a vehicle that would carry these fallen soldiers uh, to their final resting place. And he was looking at his watch. Well, I misspoke. He was looking at his watch. But I learned last night when I was watching an interview with with uh, Sean Hannity, I think was the interview, with two fathers who were there. Their sons were in those caskets, two of them. They said that he looked at his watch every time they brought a casket by. They couldn't figure out if he didn't couldn't read his watch or if he forgot what time it was or what was he thinking. So I was mistaken. I mentioned that he raised his left arm and looked at his watch, but he did it every time, they said was unbelievable. Every single time they brought a casket out of that airplane, he looked at his watch. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know if he knows what he was thinking. But nonetheless, our service members have been brought home. Their families are mourning this morning, as any of us would, at the loss of our child. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, he too has spoken out. I'm not suggesting that military should do this. I, I, I haven't served in the military. I almost did. I was called up for Vietnam, but didn't end up there. But almost. It was on 90-day notice, I think it was. Growing up in the Yakima Valley, I didn't even know where Vietnam was, but I had been told, you better be ready. I was as ready as I could be at that time. But nonetheless... Um, I don't suggest that soldiers or military people should not follow orders, for goodness sakes. Discipline is part of military success, a great part of it. But this Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller was fired yesterday after posting a video on social media where he criticized military leaders over the botched exit. In the footage, this 17-year Marine, just three years shy of his full pension and retirement, He took his leaders to task. He said, I can't take any more of this. He said, I'm not saying we need to be in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, a strategic air base, before we evacuate everyone? He said, did anyone do that? When you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? Well, in an online post yesterday, Scheller said his commanding officer ordered him to go to a hospital for mental health screening. He said he was evaluated by mental health specialist and then sent on his way. He's fired. <laughs> he loses his full pension because he raised a question that the whole world is raising today. 
There's going to be consequences. The Chinese foreign ministry, the minister, this Wang Yi, he said yesterday that Washington's attitude, I'm quoting him, Washington's attitude toward China would decide how the two countries will work together on Afghanistan. <laughs> he said, the United States is guilty of fighting terrorism selectively, and on and on and on he goes. And I don't want to spend any time on this guy except to say that China's already trying to take advantage of our perceived weakness and lack of ability, really, in the president's office to handle this withdrawal with any kind of success. Wang said the U.S. attitude would be measured by its actions. We not only have the Taliban now telling our president what to do and when to do it, we have China doing it as well. I'm sure the Chinese guys were sitting around drinking tea while this whole thing was happening or whatever, and they were saying, hey, if the Taliban can run America, we certainly can. And that's what they're doing. They're doing it now, and Russia's going to do the same thing. They all have their ways and their different approach, but they're going to do it. Countries around the world are going to say, hey, America is not a superpower. They may be true. That may be true, at least in the minds of people that we've elected to lead this country. It's unclear what all China was trying to say to us, but they were very forthright. They talked about smearing China. That wasn't going to work. They told America to stop it. No more of that. Smearing China means suggesting that maybe this virus that has crippled us for going on two years now came from the Wuhan clinic or laboratory. Chinese state-controlled media have been publishing their own negative reports about the United States, pointing out our weakness over the last week. They've been labeling the United States as an unreliable partner, and they the they make the case in their stories. There are like dozens of stories in Chinese media. You say, well, everybody knows that's a lie. No, they don't. Not everybody. There are people that believe that stuff. And the Chinese government has been making the case that look at the chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. America is a weak, weak person. They're not. Or country. They're not. They're not a superpower. But back to the story in the Washington Post talking about surprises, panic, and fateful choices. I want to talk about that just for a moment today. I want to thank you also for supporting us in doing this. We don't have advertisers or anything. We we wouldn't be on a, another day, I mean, in 24 hours we, without your support. Got this message from someone in Washington State. Thank you for all you do. Don't stop now. We won't. If you'll stand with us, as long as God gives us the ability to do it, we'll keep talking and keep doing what we're doing because I feel very, very strongly that the Lord has called me to do this. And I've said that before, but I it is, I mean, that's what motivates me. It's what drives me to do that. I'm not driven, but led to do this. Satan drives, God leads in our lives. I feel very, very led to do this. And I want to thank all of you who stand with us with your generous support. Some of you can't give much, but you give what you can. And some of you are uh, give substantially. And put all together, we meet our budget each month, thankfully and prayerfully. And I thank you for it. If you feel that this is worthwhile, what we're doing, this program daily, originating live at 9 o'clock in the morning, 
on the ACN stations and we're on in Seattle and Portland and Arizona and California, uh, not across the country, but we're around the Northwest in the Western part of the country here a little bit. But I want to thank you for that. And we need you, if you, if you're getting something out of this and you feel it's, it's worthwhile, which I do, but if you do consider prayerfully joining us, we need your support. We do. Um, each month <laughs> we do the numbers and we write the checks. And I want to thank you for that. But consider joining us if you are not a supporter. We need your help. We, we really do. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Uh, <clears throat> and then um, you can, or, or you can go on our website, faithandfreedom.us. That's faith, A-N-D, freedom, all one word, dot U-S, not dot com. You'll go to either a, some kind of a Muslim site, you'll go to a Christian college site. They, the Christian college is probably great guys from what I've seen. They're great, but they're, they're using a name more recently that we've been using for a long time. And we don't own the words faith and freedom. So, uh, you know, I, I guess that's some kind of a compliment to us. I don't know. But anyway, there are several faith and freedoms out there. Be sure you get the right one. We're faithandfreedom.com. US. You'll see my name right at the top of the first page that comes up. But anyway, thank you in advance for standing with us financially. Let's talk about surprise for a moment. An Afghan security official who had spent the previous evening distributing new uniforms just three days, four days ago to his officers. He told the Washington Post, he said everyone was ready to fight against the Taliban. Well, maybe he thought they were, maybe they weren't, but that's what he said. He said everyone was ready to fight against the Taliban. All the security forces were ready to step up and be with the United States. Within hours, long-haired Taliban fighters had seized the city. We know that now. The president of the country had fled, and the Taliban were physically occupying the presidential palace and the president's office just within hours. You talk about surprise, <laughs> like surprise. Several U.S. officials were so certain that Afghanistan would stand for a while so they wouldn't have to face any consequences. They were vacationing. Blinken was one of them. He's the head guy. He's Biden's man. He was vacationing on Martha's Vineyard. Others were on vacation. They couldn't even be reached immediately. They were all surprised that the Afghan president had fled the country. They said, wait a minute. He wasn't supposed to do that. They were further surprised that he fled on the basis of false information that his advisors had given him. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? Afghan president, this Ashraf Ghani, he'd become complacent. He was a guy that was teaching at Johns Hopkins University when we manipulated and maneuvered and got him in there as president. He's Afghani, but he's not really one of them. He's kind of an elitist, kind of like some of our leaders are here in America. They... They're elite. We're not. Us little people who elect, follow, and support them. But the Afghan president, Ashraf Ghani, he'd become complacent. He thought, well, I got a good deal here. I'm Afghan. I mean, I can not live in America for a while and not go to Johns Hopkins and teach and whatever. We become complacent sometimes, and then we're surprised. Sometimes we're surprised even by the inevitable, something we should have known but didn't. Let's talk about panic for a moment. In, by mid-August, just a couple of weeks ago, 
NBC News was reporting, quote, a new wave of panic has gripped Afghanistan two weeks ago. NBC News said this, and I quote, as the Taliban tear through through territory, toppling government districts like dominoes, this was two weeks ago, those who, can are, those who can are scrambling to leave provincial cities for the relative safety of the capital, Kabul. Those who can't live with constant anxiety and are struggling to sleep are left out. NBC reported that the Taliban is poised to take the city and fighters. They're looking to find young girls to marry and young boys to join the fight. The kids are scared to death and have been in Afghanistan. What child would not be? Everything is not okay. Everything is not peaceful. The Taliban lies. They're lying to their own people. They're lying to the world. One girl explained the prospect of having to marry a Taliban fighter was beyond her worst nightmare. Think of a little child. Maybe you have a grandchild. That's a a granddaughter that's 10, 12 years old. That's what I'm talking about. And maybe you have a grandson or a child that's that age, a boy, who will be whisked away to become a fighter for the Taliban. And he's 10, 12, 13, 14 years old. The Taliban has already begun going door to door looking for Americans, Afghans formerly employed by the U.S., boys and girls. They're co- when that came up just the last few days, in international news, the Taliban quickly responded. They said, oh, no, 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 that's baseless propaganda. But while they were calling it baseless propaganda, they were doing it. People on the ground in Afghanistan are saying they're knocking on doors, taking people, and they've been killing some of them and taking children for the purposes I just said. Everyone knows better than that except for leadership. Who didn't know? Or maybe they didn't care what was going on. I don't know. But I do know there have been some fateful choices. The official Twitter account on the Taliban in Afghanistan, isn't it interesting that they have one? A privilege that Twitter denied former President Donald Trump. But anyway, the official Twitter account on the Taliban in Afghanistan celebrated the final withdrawal of U.S. troops yesterday in the wee hours of the morning. That would have been today's morning in our time here. It was yesterday there. The Taliban tweeted, quote, The last American soldier left Kabul at 9 p.m. Afghan time. Our country gained full independence. Thank God, and I spell that with a small g, and blessings. Thank God and blessings. When they say thank God, let me just say this. We're not going to do a Bible study today, but they're not talking about our God the Hebrew God, the one and only God, the almighty God. That's not who they're talking about. We've got a lot of people running around in our churches today, some of them teaching on you know, on all this kind of thing. They're saying, well, yes, we're all closer than you think. We all serve the same God. That's not true. That's a lie. And it's a lie from Satan because it misleads people. When Muslims say talk about God and praying to God, they're not praying to the same God. They're praying to Allah, and that's a whole different God. And I, we could do an hour on that right now, but we obviously don't have an hour. You may probably don't want to listen to me for an hour either, but that's not our God. That's not who they're talking about. 
keep that in mind because they sort of borrow Christian words a lot. But we shouldn't be surprised because Muhammad did in writing the Koran. Taliban troops celebrated the withdrawal by firing their guns in the air like the 4th of July, kind of, into the air. It was called by the press celebratory gunfire. On August 18, President Biden told ABC's George Stephanopoulos that the U.S. military objective in Afghanistan was to get everybody out, including Americans and Afghan allies and their families. Well, so he was well-intended. No, he continued. He went on to say George Stephanopoulos was sitting there with his, you know, his leg crossed listening. Biden went on to say, quote, I'm quoting him, August 18, that's what we're going to do. That's the path we're on. And I think we'll get out there. There's, If there's American citizens left, we're going to stay until we get them all out. That's the lie. They're gone. <laughs> Biden and our military, the people are still there. There's a lot of them. Four U.S. senators and 39 members of the House of Representatives have now called for Biden to resign or for him to face the invocation of the 25th Amendment. That's removing the president because they're incapable. Or impeachment. The names of the senators and representatives I added, I included in an article that I wrote today at faithandfreedom.us. You can read it. Some of the comments I'm making now are in my article. Uh, some are not. But Biden has kept his promise to the Taliban to get out no matter what by August 31st. He's gone. But he's broken his promise to several hundred maybe more than several hundred remaining American citizens and thousands of Afghans who worked with us for 20 years, some of them, and for the United States during the past 20 years. Three leaders with different theological beliefs, though, they're not gone. i got to leave you with this today. Franklin Graham, Glenn Beck, and Kenneth Copeland Ministries are evacuating people from Afghanistan. They are. That's a, I, these guys have theological differences. I know some of them, and I, I just am telling you they don't agree theologically, nor do I with some of But anyway, Franklin Graham, um, for sure, Glenn Beck, Ken, Kenneth Copeland Ministries, they're working together to bring Christians out of Afghanistan. Beck explained that his Nazarene fund flies, uh, I, I think that's not connected to the Nazarene church. I mean, I I'm pretty sure that it, it isn't, but that's what he calls it, the Nazarene Fund. He flies Afghanistan refugees, specifically Christians, out of the country. He says our State Department has been the biggest problem. He said they've blocked us every step of the way. And he goes into quite detail, and I have that in the article that I wrote at faithandfreedom.us. Beck told Tucker Carlson on Fox last night that Copeland Ministries has let me borrow their jet. He said, we're, we're going someplace else to open up two countries, and I don't even want to say where they are because I'm afraid our State Department will call them and threaten them. He said, Christians in Afghanistan with the Taliban in control are marked not just for death, but to be set on fire alive because they're converted Christians. It's true. That is what's happening there. Franklin Graham's Samaritan's Purse has also joined in the evacuation effort, working in partnership with organizations on the ground. Samaritan's Purse warned in a press release that the Taliban are Islamic extremists who are poised to force Afghanistan back into a dark and brutal state where Christians, anyone who is associated with Americans, women, and others, face severe persecution and death. It's true. Let me leave you with this. President Biden has made his final flight. 
He'll be telling the world today in his press conference that was the biggest evacuation in history. It was fantastic. It was great. It was wonderful. You'll hear that. But our current events are shaping and conditioning the world for a far greater evacuation. Jesus Christ is coming again. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.